Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson, the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you have any interest in buying optics or have any glassing questions, whether it be tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call, 702-847-8747, that's extension 2, or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone at 602-399-3699. Guys, right now at GoHunt.com Insider, you can take advantage of the free trial. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott. You're going to be able to take advantage of a free trial of the Insider. GoHunt is always adding more value for their Insider members. They've now added real 3D maps as a part of Insider for no additional cost. What an incredible value. Very soon, they're going to have their mobile app up as well. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott and sign up for a free trial. If you're already an Insider member, it's automatically part of your Insider membership. And you can just go to the Maps tab up at the top once you sign in as an Insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to KUIU.com, Kuyu.com. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They sell everything off of the Kuyu.com website. I also do a lot of question and answer on my Instagram where I'm answering questions about guys wanting to know about gear about Kuyu, so tune into my Instagram. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the JScott20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Again, thanks to all the sponsors of my podcast. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today, I've got my friend Pat McCarty of Shadow Valley Outfitters on the line. Pat, how you doing? Oh, doing great, Jay. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be fun. Um, I want to talk about Arizona antelope and Arizona elk. We've got the regulations just came out and the applications I uh, are due here coming up in February and I wanted to get you on, and I know a bunch of Instagram followers and listeners have said get uh, the Shadow Valley guys on. So we do every year, and I want to I want to give you a chance to talk about some of these hunts and some of the different uh, tag allocations. See where you if there's any differences or any changes from last year, and kind of go over it. Uh, before we do that, Pat, uh, you are a, a public servant. You're a fireman uh, up in the Central Valley. Uh, of Arizona, what um, what's going on as far as uh, with COVID? How has it been being a firefighter during these times? It's very strange. Um, you know, we've we've pretty much seen uh, both sides of the coin where you know people are asymptomatic, they have the virus and, and they have no symptoms at all, um, and they feel totally fine. And then on the other side of that, I've seen some people that are deathly ill, and you know they were generally healthy before that. Um, so, you know, uh, politics aside and all that, it's just, it's a very strange time to, to be out working and, uh, interacting with people like this. Uh, it's just very strange. I've never seen anything like it. And I've been fortunate to do this. I've been in this, you know, field for a while now and it's, there's nothing like it. It's strange. Well, let's hope that, uh, these vaccines and things will start working and, and we can get all of this 2020 stuff behind us and, 
and move forward. Pat, looking ahead at the Arizona elk regulations uh, and antelope um, coming off of a year of 2020, before we get into specifics, what are your overall thoughts with, um, you know, what you see from last year moving into this year for both species? So uh, start with antelope, you know, last year for antelope, um, I, I say it was, it was, it was average. Um, I, I was fortunate to, to archery and muzzleloader hunt last year on some, some really good bucks. Uh, I think growth and potential last year was, you know, it was okay. It wasn't great and it wasn't bad. Uh, antelope going into 2021, I actually have, you know, higher hopes for than last year, which is, you know, contrary to like the deer and the elk, it seems like in drier years, antelope are maybe forced to eat stuff that is more nutritious than what they would normally do on a really wet year when, you know, the cheat grass is real high and they can just, you know, graze on that stuff all day and not really have to be picky. Um, in my experience and talking to a few of the old time uh, antelope hunters and whatnot in this area, it seems like antelope do better on drier years. And we are definitely going into a dry year um, at this point, it's the driest on record. Um, so for antelope, I'm looking forward to it. You know, last year was fun. We had a good hunt. We had good rut activity on both the archery and the muzzleloader hunts. And we were able to take some really nice bucks. Going into this year, I'm hopeful that uh, growth will be a little bit better. But at the same time, I'm also really concerned with this dry, the drought that uh, about animal just overall condition. Um, it's very strange. Um, so on the flip side of the coin to that, the elk, you know, last year we had decent horn growth, but we didn't have a lot of mass. So a lot of people found broken bulls later in the year going into the hunt. You know, there was good growth. There were some really big bulls killed uh, on the archery hunts like there always is. But when it came to the early rifle, you started to see a whole bunch of broke bulls. And I just don't think that throughout the rest of the year, you know, when, when we really need those monsoons to kick in to give those bulls that last little bit of growth and the, the horn density, it just never got there. Um, so we had decent growth, you know, time length, just no mass. And I contribute that to the, the fact that we had an okay winter, 2019-2020 uh, winter was okay. There was decent feed. Uh, and then basically everything just shut off. It stopped raining. It stopped snowing. And there was nothing throughout the entire year. You know, basically to this point, we've had just very minimal amount of moisture. You know, we've got like a quarter of an inch of snow on the ground right now. And it's hardly anything. Um, so I'm really concerned about overall health of the elk going into the 2021 season. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be very strange if, if we don't get some serious moisture. Um, I think we're going to, we're, we're setting ourselves up for a, a little bit of a disappointment. For sure. I hear you. Um, let's dive into specifically the antelope and, um, do you see any changes out there, um, on the units that, that you guys like or hunt, um, any tag allocation changes, any ups or downs, um, first and foremost, and then if not, we'll kind of move into the units that you kind of like for antelope. You know, um, there's, there's a little bit of a, a reduction of antelope tags kind of across the board. Um, but nothing major in like no unit is down, you know, 15 or 20 tags. There's just not that many tags to begin with. So you start to see, you know, 
uh, areas down, you know, five or, or something like that. Um, but overall, there's not a major uh, drop in uh, antelope tag allocations. It's pretty similar to last year. Um, it, the problem with the antelope has, tags is you're lucky to get one no matter where you're at. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just really, really hard to get those anymore. Um, so it, it's pretty pretty similar to last year. Like I say, I don't see anything that's mass a massive change as far as that goes. Okay. Um, what would you say as far as quality, um, quality bucks, um, if you were to give out, you know, Pat's top five quality bucks, and it doesn't have to be a, cons- you know, one through five, it could be, you know, one and then, you know, two, three, and four are all kind of about the same. Um, what would be your top five as far as quality bucks uh, in the state? As far as the units? Yeah. Um. Well, I think, you know, you've got to throw, you have to have 5B in there. Um, you know, it, it can be a tough unit. Um, and there were some guys in there that, you know, were hunting some really big bucks this year. Um, uh, 5B's right there in quality bucks. Um, then for me personally, I, I really like the 19B and the 19A. I, you know, they consistently produce 80s, mid 80s, upper 80s bucks. They, they really do. The problem with that is access. Uh, the Prescott, Prescott Valley, Chino Valley uh, area where these units are, are mainly is the growth potential right now in this area is just purely astonishing. So the actual huntable land year after year is decreasing tremendously. So that's, that is the biggest threat to antelope hunting in the, the Prescott Basin is you know, just the, the amount of growth that's going in and there's no signs of it slowing down at all. Uh, so with that, you have to be very aware of the Arizona Game and Fish's quarter mile from any structure rule. It, you know, a lot of people still don't understand that that even applies with a archery uh, tag. You know, you, you can't be within a quarter mile, even though, you, you know, there's no chance you're going to hit anything with an arch uh, bow at that distance. Uh, you've got to be very aware. Um, and I've seen a couple people you know, lose really nice bucks in the last two years in those units because, you know, they were standing at, you know, 300 yards away from a house instead of the 440. So uh, I really like those units. If guys can get those tags and they can find huntable land, they stand a chance to kill a, a really nice buck. Um, and is that why that, the bucks get big uh, or bigger is because there is kind of checkerboarded around and they can, some of those bucks can make it through and get a little bit of age on them. And is that why the bucks are pretty good other than a good genetic area? Yeah. I mean, the genetics in this area have always just been tremendous. You know, I mean, if you go back to the late nineties, you know, there was always, you know, 90 inch bucks being killed and, and even into the early two thousands and still to this day, you know, it seems like every other year there's, you know, an auction tag or something that kill is killed in 19B or 19A. Um, they're still just great genetics. But with that being said, you know, there's massive pieces of land now that you can no longer hunt. And then there's little tiny pieces of land where these antelope go into, you know, there's you know, a 500 acre ranch on the north side of Prescott that there's never a single antelope on it until about mid-August they go to there to rut. And then, you know, you're going to see a giant buck. But unless you've got permission... And even with that permission, it borders a ton of houses. It's extremely difficult to get in there and kill something. Right. Um, so, and it's not going to get any better. You know, there's a, it's called the deep well subdivision going in on the north side of Prescott. 
that is going to take, you know, another 5,000 acres. And then there's the Dells that's going to take another, you know, 15,000 acres away. Um, so there's not, there's not really any chance to slow it down. Um, but if you get the tag and you can figure out, you know, if you're going to go with an outfitter or you go with somebody that knows the land that you can hunt, it, it, you can kill a really nice buck. But you've got to go in there knowing that there may be a last second change to that unit because some developer just bought the land and now he closes it. Right. Okay. Um, after that, you know, um, you kind of get into a, a little bit of a ball of potential after that. You know, um, the 18A, 18B, it's kind of the same issue. You've got to have, you know, access on the private land. There's some, there's some huntable land, but there's always a big buck that's killed in that, in that stuff. And both of those, you know, like 18A, three tags, 18A for the archery, uh, 18B, five tags, um, and then the muzzleloaders, three tags. It, there's not a lot of potential to even draw a tag. The rifle has eight. But if you get that tag, you know, you do your homework, spend a lot of time scouting, you know. And antelope scouting is really easy uh, in the sense that, you know, they're up all day. So if, as long as you can keep going all day, you can keep looking for antelope. That's the funnest thing about hunting them, too, is you can hunt them throughout the day. They don't really bed down. And even if they do, you can put a stock on them because you can see them all day long. So if guys can put the work in on some of these other units, you know, the 18A, 18B, uh, unit 10, I would put in that same group. It's definitely down from where it was, you know, 10 years ago. Um, but if you put in the work, you can find some bucks and some stuff that is not necessarily like antelope country. It's, it's a little bit more uh, dense with some cedars and you can get in there and you can find, you know, a group of five antelope and there's one good buck there. Um, and also I would also put the unit eight hunt in there, the early hunt, you know, don't, don't be confused with that late hunt. There is on the muzzleloader, at least starts September 3rd through the 12th, there's 15 tags. And then the late hunt starts October 1st through October 10th. Almost always, if there's a good buck in there, it's killed on the early hunt. Very rarely does a, a you know, a 80 inch buck make it through to the second hunt. Okay, good stuff. Um, and one thing that's interesting about antelope compared to elk is you don't need a ton of age class in order for a buck to get big. Well, that doesn't that that's not exactly what I meant to say. It, it in a buck, an antelope buck at three years old can start getting pretty big, and at four can be big and five. Whereas elk, you need them to be you know six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old to get a, a you know a big animal. So in other words, if a buck can make it through, you know, two years through a season, he can be a mid eighties buck. Would you absolutely. agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, we've got pictures of bucks, you know, that we hunted this year that, you know, last year they were like two years old and you're like, Oh, he's got a, you know, he's got a cool shape to him. He looks like he's got some potential. And then this year is like, wow, that, that thing grew up. And we see that consistently with these bucks when they reach three, four, they're, if they haven't, you know, gotten big by that point, I don't know if they will, right. um, th that fifth year, you know, they're, it, they're either going to be really big or they're going to start going downhill, uh, for antelope. I always tell guys, you know, you start to see funky stuff after the fourth year, you know, where horns, you know, instead of big prongs, you start to see, maybe see two short prongs and then like some little, uh, almost a second prong coming off and like just weird stuff because they just start going downhill after that point, they get, you know, a little bit of age on them and they don't last very long. You got to kill them when they're in that three, four range. 
Pat, when you look at um, antelope across the state, what would you say if you had to kind of put some stages of the rut on time frame? You know, if you're, if you're, you know, the archery seasons are starting, some of them are starting on the 13th of August, some of them are starting on the 20th, you know, most of them go through like the 2nd of September, uh, you know, then you've got some of the muzzleloader seasons that are the 3rd of September through the 12th. Um, just for people out there wondering when, you know, a rut cycle, what is it his, historically across the state as, as far as, you know, these two weeks are the best rutting for antelope? You know, just looking at, uh, the 2021 dates, um, I, I really think that like the August 20th through the first week of September is typically your best, best chance at, at killing a good buck. Now, that being said, I've also really never had a problem with antelope rutting. Uh, you know, you just, it's one of those cat and mouse games. You got to figure out what stage of the rut they're in. You know, for us, you know, I like to use on all of our archery hunts, I like to use a decoy. Um, and you can decoy bucks. You just, you got to figure out what stage they're in. Are they in the stage where, you know, they see another buck? And they want to come over and try to run them off because that's their turf. Or are they at the stage where, you know, they want to see a doe and they're going to go after and maybe see a lone doe because they just got chased off. Um, or, you know, they're just looking to buddy up with a group of bucks like they have been the rest of the time. Um, so I've never, I've really never had a problem with the rut as far as antelope goes impacting the actual hunt itself. It's always fun when you can get out there and go see, you know, bucks chasing each other and you can do some really fun hunting tactics when they're, they're not really paying attention. But if they're not, you know, if they're just feeding and stagnant, kind of, they're not really into the does yet. You can, you know, stocking is awesome at that point too. Good stuff. All right. Um, any last uh, thoughts on antelope? If not, we're going to move on to elk. You know, the only thing I would say on antelope is take what you can get because it's getting harder and harder to get these tags. And if you're one of those guys that is kind of in that midpoint range and you want to hold out for that, you know, that rifle 5B, the rifle unit 10 tag or any of that stuff, for the sake of ever drawing a tag, you have to look at what you actually have potential to draw. And I know that can be disappointing to some folks, but, you know, if you're in that, you know, 15 point range, you need to be looking at later date hunts, hunts that are not actually you know, what, what some people with the, the max points are going to put in for, because you don't really stand a chance. There's too few tags. It's almost like sheep hunting to where there's too few tags for people to draw tags that don't have max, max points or in that. Yeah, it happens and people get lucky. But if you actually want to go antelope hunt in the state of Arizona, you have to look at your best opportunity to do that. So I just encourage guys to have a realistic approach to that. Good point. Um, when I dive into the elk stuff here, before I start, I want to say I got a message from an Instagram uh, follower and he sent me a picture and he said, you wouldn't believe it, Jay. He said, a guy that you had on your podcast, he said, I watched them shoot a giant bull elk and then he proceeded to, he's talking about you, he said he proceeded to help me on my hunt and tell me a bunch of information that he didn't have to tell me. And he said, that guy was Pat McCarty of Shadow Valley Outfitters. And he said, I, I give the guy uh, huge props and um, thanks for having him on your podcast. So I just thought I'd mention that. Uh, sounds like you ran into a hunter. I think it was on a late hunt. 
and you guys had just killed a bull and then you helped the guy out and I forget if he was successful or not or what happened but um you ended up helping the guy out and he was all jazzed up about it so um kudos to you for for doing that you didn't have to do that and that uh, speaks volume for your character I appreciate that Jay it's uh you know we <laughs> when it comes down to it we're all just trying to have a good time and um we we try to do that as much as we can because at the end of the day it doesn't really matter what you kill it matters who you're out there with so um yeah we're just trying to have fun and, and help people out as much as we can right on let's talk about uh the arizona elk units um again and let's talk about archery hunt specific uh we've got a full moon on september 20th uh first first moon on the 13th uh, looks like most of those uh, archery hunts uh, are starting on the 10th. Um, before we get into specific units, how do you think the rut cycle will be with that full moon being on the 20th and the archery hunt ending in most units on the 23rd? Okay, so um, I think I think the most important factor going into the 2021 elk hunting season and what's going to affect the rut the most is going to be this drought. Uh, if we can get some moisture and we can get some, some rain and whatnot, then I, I expect the rut to, to really, you know, unfortunately for the hunters, I expect it to kick off pretty good during that moon. Um, those bulls are going to be up. They're going to be moving cows. They're going to be, they're going to be getting after it pretty hard during the moon. Um, but if we don't get some rain and we don't get some considerable amounts of moisture, uh, to fill drinkers and to fill these dirt tanks and to get a good grass crop going into it. The elk, the elk are not in good condition right now. Um, so if we can't get some stuff to get them through the winter and get them into the, the spring and, and then even a little bit of a monsoon, I don't expect the rut to be good. Um, we're kind of seeing the flip side to what happens when, you know, you have a, a okay winter, but no rain in the summer. Um, during these late hunts this last year in 2021, the elk were not moving. Uh, you know, they were held up in brush. They were held up in the thick stuff. You know, typically, you know, you'll see them move. You'll see them move between their bedding and, and their feeding areas. And then on, on really strange or uh, tough years, you'll see them just sit there and eat on juniper berries. And that's what we saw this year is, you know, they're, they're feeding on juniper berries a lot earlier than they normally would. To me, that's a sign that, you know, there's just, there's no nutrition. There's not really a whole lot of grass. You know, unit nine is completely overgrazed. These areas that have a, a large cattle allotment were overgrazed because, you know, I think for whatever reason, they, they put a higher number of cows in. So that impacted the elk's health. So to get back to your question, I really am concerned um, going into it that even if we do have a good moon, I think it's going to be a late rut uh, because the elk have got some catching up to do. Um, so with that, if we do have a late rut, hunters have got to be creative. They've got to be out at night. They've got to be listening for, you know, those, those bulls that are running, the bulls that are bugling, you've got to be moving. It's going to take a little bit more work. Okay. That's good stuff. With that being said, before we dive into all the specific units, this is definitely a year that if you're applying and trying to draw a tag that you would highly recommend point guard as well because of the factor of if all of a sudden you know we we apply in uh february i think it's the 12th or 13th um of february 
uh, and we monitor the weather between now and then. And then even after that, if virtually no weather comes in at all and we have no winter or spring moisture, you would be very, you would be watching it very, very closely and potentially having the ability to use your point guard, right? Absolutely. Um, and the other thing is that I would recommend to, to people is don't put in until, you know, till the last part of this cycle. You know, there's no reason to In other apply. words, let January go, go by and, and see what happens in January before you get real aggressive in your draw strategy. Absolutely. I would, I would take my time. I would do this, you know, the first part of February and I don't wait to the last minute because something always happens where, you know, servers crash or your internet goes out or something. You don't get your app in, but I would wait till the the first part of January to submit my application to see what kind of, what happens to see if we get some good moisture across the state before I actually, you know, throw it in there. And, and then yes, point guard, point guard, point guard. Yeah. always and you said first part of january but you meant first part of february yeah yes yeah. excuse me first part of february yeah okay um specifically what are your what would you say your top five archery choices for elk would be uh top five archery choices for elk i mean or top five or six just whatever yeah. comes to your mind per, pretty consistent with what you know i would say uh last year as well um i think you have to go with unit 23 both the north and the south hunt uh unit nine unit 10 and then i would put you know 27 and even one in there and the reason i throw those two in there you know one has a little bit of a reduce in in tags uh the last couple of years but the eastern side of the state traditionally gets more moisture uh so with that being said you know they all have a little bit more consistent rut so i think uh that you're that's a much better option than you know, like a unit eight, a seven West, you know, there's still going to be good bulls in there. They're going to be good bulls killed, but the rut last year was basically non-existent on those hunts. So going into 2021, I would say 23 North, 23 South, unit nine, unit 10, those four are pretty much to me, you know, you can go in there and kill a really nice bull, you know, something 360 plus on that. If you put the time in. Um, so those are, those are my top. And then I would put one and 27 in there mostly have potential for rut and moisture. Pat, I know you just mentioned unit eight and I know you like unit eight. Let's say I say that with a smile on my face. You like unit eight in certain circum circumstances, but yes. you, you bring, you bring up a good point that people need to understand that are putting in from out of state and, you know, maybe have, you know, they're right there on the cusp of having enough to draw mid tier units. And should they wait for the, you know, the upper echelon units or, or whatnot. But one thing, and I'm just curious your thoughts that I think is when we have drought conditions and our conditions are tough, those are when there is a huge difference between mid tier and upper tier. When, when we have tons of moisture, lots of grass, lots of feed, I think the gap shrinks a little bit when you're talking about rut activity and size of bulls and some of that. But when we see tough conditions like what we have and what we're going potentially into, that's when you see the really big difference between, say, a 23 North, 23 South, and a Unit 8 or a Unit 7 West. Would you agree with that? Oh, I, yes, 100%. I would agree with that. You know, last year was a prime example uh, of that. 
and a lot of what has the cause of that and the big difference in the hunt experience, not just the drought, but the pure number of hunters in the field. You know, last year on the archery hunt, I was in unit nine. Um, I, I primarily focus on unit nine um, for the, the early hunts. And we had a, a hunter in unit eight who was hunting with Cade Smith and Cade had found a really big bull. Uh, we ended up killing the bull on the late rifle hunt, but they were, they were hunting a specific bull. And then, you know, uh, two, three days before the hunt starts, you know, the, that bull just busted off into a thick, nasty area because of the sheer number of people that were then in the field. You know, and for me, I was in unit nine and unit nine was, it was still very, very tough. And there was a whole lot of stuff uh, that were challenges in unit nine with the drought and you know then people everybody hunting water and you know that was challenging but we were still able you know opening weekend we were able to kill a 380 bull and we were able to kill a 370 bull um and that was you know purely off of there's big bulls in there there's more big bulls in there than other units and there's fewer hunters the the number of hunters that are shoved into some of the mid-tier units makes it very difficult and like what you're saying you know it's the biggest contributing factor in my mind that impacts hunter success from mid-tier units to upper tier units. Yeah, totally agree. Let's talk a little bit about um, the early rifle hunts and the, the early muzzleloader hunts. What, what jumps out at you as, you know, some of the top, top picks there? Um, you know, for, I think guys need to be aware that, you know, this year is the uh, switch for, unit nine so it's not a rifle hunt this year it's going to be a muzzleloader hunt i know a lot of guys just don't trust uh you know their 25 points to a muzzleloader um to me it doesn't make sense uh necessarily with the advancements that we've seen in muzzleloaders if you're a max point holder i would not let that stop you from drawing a muzzleloader tag in your favorite unit whether that's you know one twenty seven nine where these muzzleloader hunts are at i wouldn't i wouldn't let that stop you um but i also wouldn't go out there with you know your great grandpa's muzzleloader i would i would you know you've invested 25 years i would invest in a nice muzzleloader something that you know is is going to be efficient um so that i think is something to be aware of um unit 10 on the early rifle hunt the last few years with the reduction in tags that they've done in unit 10 uh, that has really been a good and it's been a fun hunt you know it's a little bit can be difficult because of the drought, but you're still in unit 10 and you have potential to kill a really big bull on that hunt. And it's the largest unit in the state. If guys don't pay the big boat access fee, then they are cutting off their own hands. Uh, there's so much land and there's so much potential to go find a big bull on that land for really, when you look at the cost of going to, you know, a private piece of ground anywhere else, it's, it's nothing. Um, Pat, so guys, just real fast to interrupt you right there. Guys, listen to what he's saying. I probably got 15, maybe 20 messages on Instagram last season from guys saying I didn't purchase the big bow access permit, whether it be the archery or um, late archery or muzzleloader or late rifle. And I just shake my head. I mean, it is so inexpensive to just have the ability to hunt all of the unit, to be stubborn and not pay that fee, in my mind, is asinine. So you agree with that, Pat? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, Whether you agree I, with 
you know, the fact that the ranch used to be open and everybody could hunt it for free or not, that's a whole nother issue. But when it comes down to a minimal amount of money to be open to, you know, 600,000 acres of, of land, if you don't buy the permit, it's just, it's probably one of the dumbest things I've ever heard of. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And, you know, like you said, take politics out of it. If you've invested that much time into trying to draw that specific tag, why would you not? You know, why would you bow your back and say, I'm going to make a point because you're not making a point to anybody. You're, you're hurting yourself. hurting your own, yourself yeah. and your potential to kill a big bull. Right. You know, w- when people come hunt with us, uh, Shadow Valley in Unit 10, we say, hey, we're going to hunt the big bow. We're going to, because the way I look at it is this, you know, if there's, a, take an archery tag, for example, when you look at an archery tag, you're going to see, I always say half the people will not hunt the big bow. So now you're down to 50 tags that are going to go on to the big bow. And then you look at that and you're going to say, okay, five or seven of them are going to have some kind of an issue right before the hunt to where they don't show up. And then you're going to have another five that after the first weekend, all their helpers are going to be gone. So you start dwindling this down to where on 600,000 acres, you're going to have like 30 people out there with actual tags. It's crazy that guys won't pay that because you can go out there. You can still go out in Arizona and see very few people on hunt. But you've got to be willing, you know, to pay, you know, the, the minimal fee. It's less than, I don't know, what is it, 120 bucks or something like that? It's it's worth it. It's worth your time. It's worth the investment you've made to go out there and pay that fee. Right, right. 100%. Um, talk about uh, the uh, late, or I guess the late archery hunts, if any of them have quality in your mind and the late muzzleloader hunts and then we'll talk about the late hunts themselves okay um but first real quick uh just to wrap up that early stuff um you know the 23 tags if you can get them you're great um i would i would apply for them they're gonna have big res bulls that come on and off there they have big resident bulls um if guys are lucky enough to get those tags uh it's it's worth your time to to put that as a first choice but don't back that up with something that's one other thing I just want to hit on real quick, Jay, is I talked to a tremendous amount of people uh, this last year that said, hey, you know, I drew a unit eight tag. I applied for 23 first, but I drew in the unit eight tag. And, you know, this booking company or this hunting consulting company told me I have potential to go in there and kill a 350, 360. Bull. Guys, please, please, please do your research on the units that you're going to apply for before you apply. And come up with what your actual, what you really want as far as a goal to go in and kill something. And then what is an actual expectation? There is no shortage of outfitters in the state of Arizona that you can call and they're going to say, hey, I, I think your expectations are a little bit high for this unit. You should look at this spot. Um, so do your research before you apply. Don't just put it on somebody else to hope that they apply you for the right unit. Because every year somebody draws a unit, you know, whatever, a mid-tier unit. And they say, well, you know, this, they say that the potential for a 380 bulls here, that's not really realistic. So I just want to hit on that real, real quick. Um, and then as far as the archery hunts go, the late archery, please consider those an opportunity hunt. So if you're a non-resident with three, four, five, six points, whatever it is, and you really want to go hunt archery elk in Arizona, it's a great opportunity for you to draw a tag. And it's a great opportunity for you to get in the field and go hunting. It's just that, though. It's an opportunity to go kill. 
Yes, you're in Arizona, and you have potential to find and harvest very big bull. But that that that's not typical of those hunts. They can be good. A lot of the times, like the hunters that hunt with us that find success on those hunts, a lot of time is sitting water because that's a typically dry period of time from October to November. It's typically dry for us in the state. So those bulls are very consistent on water. So I, I think it's really important for guys to understand that. You can go in and you can also hunt that like a, like you would the OTC deer where you glass, the bulls are not moving a whole lot, the rut's over, they want to be kind of left alone. But, you, you know, you're then stalking in some canyons and some stuff that can be a little bit more difficult to kill in than, you know, their traditional rut grounds or something like that. They're a great way to get out and go hunting. Um, and, you know, we do those hunts. It's just, it's not, I just don't want people to, to oversell those hunts to people, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and sometimes it's kind of like saying, um, I'm going to the bonsai pipeline and you get out to the bonsai pipeline and you've got your surfboard and you're standing out on the on the beach and you look out there and it's just glass. And you're like, this is the bonsai pipeline. Where's all the big <laughs> waves? Well, you're there at the wrong time. And, yeah. and, and it's the same syndrome on some of these late hunts in some of these great units where they say, I've got a unit nine. I'm in unit nine of Arizona. I've got my bow in my hand and I'm ready to go. Well, you're not in September. So, you know, while the hunts, you know, you can catch a big wave every now and then. You have to understand it's apples and oranges and, you know, you can't just venture out there and think you're going to just tackle into all kinds of elk um, on those late hunts. Now, if you do your homework, like Pat said, or you hire a good outfitter that does a lot of research and knows where to go and exactly what spot, they can be very good, but most of the time it turns into a struggle. Yeah, that's a great point. And, uh, I think, I think it all just comes down to expectations, you know, on any of these hunts, you just have to have realistic expectations and you have to be really careful about who you're listening to, to get those expectations. How are you building your expectations? Where are you getting your info from? And, you know, what are you really soaking in? Are you you taking hopes and dreams or are you taking really true information and and valid information that's going to help you build a realistic expectation? Yeah. Uh, late rifle hunts. Talk about your, your favorites there. You know, uh, this, all, all of the late rifle hunts are packed with a ton of hunters, you know, on every one of them, looking at them right now. Uh, you just, it's amazing how many, how many hunters you, they, they put in these, you know, 275, 300, 300, 200, 350, 725. And, you, uh, and 10 on the, the late cow hunts, you know, you get into the bull hunts and it's in, in six, a there's 700 and seven West there's 400 and seven West or seven East there's 400, seven West is 400, uh, eight, 500 in at 10, three fifty nine, 300. It, it, it's a massive amount of people. So also like the late rifle hunts, these are built to be an opportunity hunt. Um, the way we hunt these is we go to very difficult spots to try to hunt and to try to kill. And, you know, sometimes those that's sometimes that means accessibility is very difficult to get to. And then other times that means actually harvesting something in that area is difficult. You know, if you go to unit eight 
you know, we are going to be in very, very difficult terrain and spots to, to get to, to try to kill something, um, to try to get away from the massive amount of, of people. Now, you know, like I run the unit nine late rifle hunt almost every year. And in that unit, that means it's going to be difficult to kill in that country because it's not necessarily very easy to glass. You're going to be working fingers all day long because, you know, that's what we're there to kill something. So we don't go back and, and you know, hang out at camp and whatnot. That may be, you know, we're going to be in the basin and when you find a bull, it's going to be, you know, time to hoof it and get across some country so we can get in shootable distance to kill something. You know, that's the way these hunts go. But that being said, usually by Monday of the late rifle hunt, everybody's buddy that said they were going to come up and spend the whole week and they're going to be there to help. They've usually gone home at that point because they're cold and nasty and, you know, guys got to get back to work. So you have the potential to go in there and find a, a really nice bull, you know, on these hunts, I tell guys pretty much across the state, except for maybe, you know, unit 10 and the 23s and 27s and even a little bit of one, I tell guys, Hey, you know, we're looking for a nice unbroke six point, you know, that could be in one unit that could be a 300 inch bull and another unit that could be, you know, bottom line being a 330 bull. It really, there's so much variant between these units because the terrain is so different you just got to have you know a little bit of local knowledge to, to to get that expectation um but it's a chance to go in there and kill a nice bull uh last year in this last year you know our guys in unit eight went in there and we had you know the bull, same bull that we hunted on the archery hunt we went in there he was in the same general location and we had like three hunters in there trying to kill that bull you know the bull came out through one drainage and that hunter killed it um in unit nine, it was it was kind of a, a goat rope to say because all the hunters were you know basically in one area because that was the only spot to really find bulls. Bulls weren't moving; they were kind of you know all held together. They were you know bedding down before they usually would. It was strange, and we were we were able to go in there and kill five out of five tags, but it was it was very difficult. You know, it came down to the last day. Um, so, you know, the late hunts are an opportunity unless you're able to draw some of these premier units that, you know, we, you know, Ben Brochu guided 123 for us. And, you know, they went in there and killed the 350 plus bull. Great bull, you know, but that's why you, that's what you go over there to kill. You know, you pass up the 340s to kill that bull on that hunt. Yeah, very well said. Pat, um, it's always great having you on. I want to give you a chance if you have any last-minute thoughts uh, for guys applying. I want to let uh, want you to let them know how they can get a hold of you, and I'll link it up in the show notes as well. And it's always great having you on, and I appreciate your time. Thanks, Jay. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I would just say, you know, you do a great job of giving guys, you know, a ton of information. It's really up to these the people that are applying to to gather their own information. Please do not rely on you know your buddy's buddy or you know there's some really good booking agencies out there but please do your own research on this stuff on the units you want to hunt what are your expectations and then take it a step further call people and call outfitters that you think you might want to hunt with before this actually happens because you know this stuff happens fast and before you know it you're behind the eight ball you know every year you know jay you and i talk and you know like two weeks before a hunt comes up, somebody says, Hey, do you have room? Well, no, like we're booked. I wish I could help you, but please 
reach out to whoever it is you think you want to hunt with us, whether it's us or not. Do some research on these hunts, figure out what you want to do, figure out your expectations and then apply. Um, and then, and go in there and, you know, have fun. Um, but you know, I think it's going to be an interesting year. I still have high hopes for this year. Arizona could turn it around in, in a second to where we go in there and it's a tremendous year. Um, so I wouldn't let anybody, wouldn't let the drought stop people from applying. I would just go in there being cautious about what you're actually applying for this year. Good stuff. And um, what's the best way to reach you? Oh, they can reach us through Instagram uh, at Shadow Valley Outfitters, or they can reach us uh, on our website, shadowvalleyoutfitters.com. Um, and then also they can just call me direct, and I'm happy to, to talk about hunting or whatever the case is. Uh, they can reach me at 928-533-1903. Um, like I say, we're happy to talk about hunting or the trail camera issues or anything else. Uh, so, yeah, feel free to reach out anytime. Right on, buddy. Thanks, Pat. Uh, it's always great having you on the podcast. Thanks for the great information and um, congratulations on your success last year and look forward to seeing all of the stuff you guys get uh, done this year. Thanks, Jay. I really appreciate it. All right, buddy. Take care. God bless. All right.